right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Hey, everyone. Happy Wednesday. I always have to think twice before I I say happy day because sometimes I'm coming to you on Friday. Today, I'm coming to you on Wednesday, our normal day for Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. I'm so glad that you've joined me. Listen, before I go any further, I just want to... uh, send my apologies because we've been off the air for a couple weeks. But as I said, if you saw on my Facebook yesterday, it's for good reason. And I'm busting at the seams because I want to tell you what's going on, journeyers, but I can't tell you right now. I've been, I've been muzzled, but I will tell you as soon as I can. And then you will know why uh, I had to take off a couple of weeks, but we are here and I am so delighted to be back with you today with a very, very special guest. You might know the name. I know you know the name Ancient Aliens. And if you know the name Ancient Aliens, and you undoubtedly know who Reverend Michael J.S. Carter is, and he is my guest today. I'm so excited to have him. Michael and I have been chatting it up over the last several months. He's been on the show, as a matter of fact, uh, back in April, I think, right at the beginning of all of this madness and magic. And we had a really great conversation, but I thought it was definitely time to pick this conversation up as what, five, six months have gone by and our lives continue to shift and move. But here's what I'm going to really be down with Michael about. As you may know, I have been so curious and wanting to probe the idea that we may be having more accelerated contact experiences during this unprecedented time. Are we experiencers out there? I want to hear from you. Are you having more experiences? What's the tenor of those experiences? Are they different? Have they relented? This is just one of the things that I'm going to be talking about with Michael, but I really want to get away in and I want to hear from you uh, as to if if you feel yourself to be an experiencer, have you had experiences during this time? If so, what messages have come through? What have they uh, offered? What have you offered? So that's the beginning of this conversation, but we're going to take it deeper and deeper and deeper. And as always, I want you to chime in before I do. Let's go ahead. You know, I normally don't do a formal bio, but this dude is just so cool. And I want you to know if you don't know who uh, Reverend Michael J.S. Carter is, I want you to know uh, exactly who we're dealing with today. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and read that the bio and we're going to actually say hello to Michael. We're going to put Michael up on the screen while I'm reading. Put him up. Thank you, Alex. Hey, Michael. All right, here we go. Reverend Michael J.S. Carter is an ordained interfaith minister, an author, a researcher, an anti-racism trainer and experiencer. Let me say again, and an experiencer of contact with non-human intelligence. He has written articles on UFOs and religion for publications, including UFO Magazine, Alien Encounters, which is a British publication, and the MUFON UFO Journal, among many others. He's spoken at well-known UFO conferences, such as the Edgar Cayce ARE Ancient Mysteries Conference, the annual Long Island UFO Conference with the late Bud Hawkins, who we also worked with, Contact in the Desert, and the International UFO Conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. Reverend Carter has made numerous appearances on both radio and television, including the long-running Ancient Aliens series on the History Channel. And so it is my absolute pleasure and delight to welcome Michael, my buddy, back to the conversation today. Hey, thank you for being here. Thank you oh, for being it's my here. Pleasure. My pleasure, Alexis. Whenever pleasure. I come on, I'm, I'm always glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here after our little hiatus. 
So listen, Michael, you heard the open and you know, you know, we chatted yesterday and uh, I, you know that I've been really probing this question about, see, I happen to think when high strangeness is happening and undoubtedly we're going through high strangeness right now. Somehow, in some way, I feel maybe intuitively, I haven't had any, I'll tell you, not that I'm aware of any contact encounters uh, in this particular period of time, but I am intent on finding out if that's happening. And if so, what is happening? So that's where I want to start. But I want to, before we even get into that, I want to, I want to give you as well as the journeyers out there a heads up about some of the other things that we're going to be talking about, because I think they're all going to fold in together. I want to talk also about, let's see, how can I say this? All of this is really going to be predicated on our interaction with non-human intelligence, wherever and whatever they may be. So implicit in that, I also want to talk about the fear of sharing contact encounters with others and get your way in on that. What are the benefits of talking with others and or the consequences? I want to also, and this is a big one, I want to talk about contact encounters with cultures that we don't necessarily hear too often from. That would include you and me, people of color, not just black and brown, but yellow and red. Let's look there as well, particularly as an anti-racism trainer, all of these things are going to fold in, just kind of setting the tone or level setting this conversation, just so, just so you know. Um, So without further ado, let's dive right in. I don't want to ask a leading question, but my surmise is that, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm going to. It's all good. What's happening with, with, with contact encounters, if anything, right now? What has changed, if anything? Well, you know, I think what has changed is that it's so much more accepted now. I mean, now we have our government, we have pilots, military pilots who are trained and, you know, um, it's out there now. It's not taboo to talk about. Now, it's very different to say, I think I saw something in the sky than to say, well, I think I saw the person, the occupant of the craft. And, And that's a different story. But, you know, human evolution is slow. Sometimes it can even appear uh, glacial, if you will. But these are exciting times that we live in. And I feel that um, eventually, I I think that that governments around the world are trying to get out ahead of this thing because eventually there's going to be a sighting that they can't explain away. Whether it's someone who takes it with their cell phone or, or what have you, because we have the technology now. And so in order to get out ahead, uh, you know, ahead of this thing, it's, it's, it's good to come out and say, okay, we're not going to go the whole nine yards, but we've been spending your tax dollars uh, and uh, looking at this phenomenon. Of course, you know, they're going to look at it from a national security standpoint, which there are pros and cons to that, right? Um, uh, but it's, it's big. And so I don't think there's as much stigma in that context, uh, but there is stigma. And I think there is stigma. Well, I know for a fact there's stigma um, culturally. Mm-hmm. I've experienced But that's, we're not, we're not there. We're not talking about that right now. So I hope that answers the question. Uh, but, but it's out there now. It's in the papers. The government is talking about it. And so there's less of, uh, for people who pay attention, 
everybody's, I, I have people in my church, for instance, who when I say, you know, the government, the TikTok thing or um, uh, what's going on around that, they're, they're not even, it's not even on their radar screen. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Well, you just brought in one of many different components to this. The, the, obviously, the government cover-up is one that is a very tantalizing conversation. We, I think there's enough evidence to show that they know a lot more than they're letting on. We know that. But I really want to drill down more, Michael, on the experiential aspect and what, if any, that you're hearing, individuals who have... Mm, systematically had contact over the years. During this period of time, let's say between, I don't know, the beginning of the year and now, has the contact encounter ratcheted up? Has it relented? What's happening there, if anything? I, you know, I, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Uh, I haven't been talking to people about this so much. I mean, there's so much other stuff going on. But I will say this, and you know Ray Hernandez. Mm -hmm. If you want to know collectively what's going on, the book Beyond UFOs is giving people a uh, a look, if you will, on, for instance, uh, I, I, I co-wrote a chapter there called um, the, the, the Spirituality of the Experiencer. Mm -hmm. And read that chapter which is kind of long, you will see that whether it's UFOs or not, um, uh, um, the people are having paranormal experiences, experiences of high strangeness. And he has this all day and scientific uh, uh, data. It's been looked at scientifically. People have a deeper sense of spirituality now, which we need during these times. Um, people are are, are, are realizing that there's an invisible world that's just as real as this one. People are maybe moving away from the dictates of organized religion to, to see themselves more as citizens of the world and a more encompassing universal spirituality, which has to do a lot with the oneness of nature. So as far as individually, I haven't been talking to people about this. Okay. However, um, you know, this book is fairly recent and it's covering a large period of time and people are not only having experiences with off-world intelligences, but just deep, whether it's angels, uh, paranormal experiences, and they are saying that it's changing my life in a positive way. Okay, well, this is perfect because you read my mind because I actually took a quote from Beyond UFOs. And by the way, guys, this book has gotta be, I got it right up there. This yeah. summer's got to be eight, nine hundred pages long. Kudos to Free for some great research. So I'm going to go ahead and quote you right from the book, and we can kind of transition into that, although it's all related. You say in that chapter, from my own personal conversations with other experiencers or contactees, regardless of whether the contact experience was perceived as positive or negative, there seemed to be some form of change in worldview. Now, I yeah. think that is very, very important. Yeah particularly now, because yeah. we are, I, I think, vis-a-vis -vis this experience, are being certainly being forced to re-examine our worldview. Yeah. And the void of the, of the yeah. uh, experiences that we may be having. So yeah. I guess I'm trying to draw a nexus, Michael, between the weirdness of today, what's going on right now, irrespective of uh, the beings, I but draw a nexus between that and the contact encounters with the beings. Mm -hmm. Let me just say this. 
it would yeah. seem to me that for those, and maybe some of you that are listening that have had, you feel some form of contact and the unfamiliarity of that would be great training ground for the unfamiliarity of the territory that we're swimming in right now. Ergo, there is some form of connection there, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, because we're always co-creating our world just by our experiences and the way we look at life. I mean, Einstein said many wonderful things, but he also said uh, uh, one of the, the greatest questions you can ask yourself is, is the universe a friendly place? Because the, the way you answer that question will dictate the way you move through it and in and out of your life. Is the universe a friendly place? It's crucial. Um, if we want to tie it into today, I'm thinking of you know, people talking about uh, dystopian uh, worldviews, utopian worldviews, if we're looking at things like prophecy and that kind of thing. We also, we have to keep in mind that every ending is a new beginning. And whether you're talking about biblical prophecy or prophecies in, from the Quran or even Native American prophecies that talk about an end time scenario and the, the rainbow tribe emerges where people of all races and natural uh, nationalities come together. Um, the, the key thing there is that there's always a period of purification, uh, thinking specifically of the Hopi prophecies, but not just where they're talking about times like this, where they're talking about, uh, you know, uh, worldview changes. Uh, Mother Earth is cleansing herself. They're talking about purification, where things actually appear to be getting worse before they get better. Mm -hmm. A more contemporary way to look at that would be we're entering in the age of Aquarius, which some astrologers and psychics are saying that we are. But there's still this messy period, which does not mean that we will not destroy ourselves. That is always in the cards. And, and, and because we have to have a choice. We make our worldview. And so uh, we're, we're looking at climate change. We're looking at the, glacier, the glaciers are melting. We're looking at social unrest. We're looking at all this political upheaval. Reminds me of the Roman Empire. Sometimes I think, I, you know, I died and I came back and I'm living in the Roman Empire again uh, uh, with all this corruption and grief from within. Uh, but these things may be necessary to get to the world we say we want to attain. Now, that, that Velton Chung, that worldview can include star people. It can include demons if you're coming from that perspective. But definitely, all of that is in the mix. And just depending, depending on what lenses you have on, will depend, will mirror back to you what you are seeing happening. I know some people are scared to death. They are scared to death. And so just coming from that fear aspect, that their vibration, it, you know, you, you can actually cause some of the things you say that you're afraid of. And mm. I'm not ridiculing people with that. I'm just saying, but in, in order to go forward, we're going to have to learn how to navigate and, uh, our fear because we got some times ahead and they'll be exciting and they will be some, some changes, scary if you want to look at it that way. Uh, but but we are in some, you know, historic times where people are wanting to come together. And that includes 
whether we want to say star people are in this mix, that, that, that not only am I a citizen of the world, but I'm a citizen of the galaxy. Do you feel, Michael, that what we're going through at some level is perhaps a litmus test for the species? Again, keeping this idea in mind, historically, when we look at there's so many cliches we could apply to this, the darkness before the dawn, you have a storm and then there's a rainbow. Uh, I've used the, the birth canal analogy if we're being sure. rebirthed. Is this a litmus test do you feel that we're going through? Two part question. Is it and could it be, I'm gonna continue to bring in non-human intelligence. Could they, some of them at some level have something to do maybe with us in orchestrating this litmus test? That I don't know. Is it a litmus test? Yes. Um, uh, yes, because we're at the brink of either a new world, if you can take it, or mm. we're going to destroy ourselves. I am not sure about their role in it. Maybe, maybe it's like the Star Trek where we don't get involved, but we just observe. Or uh, like in my own encounters where my own spiritual growth was accelerated, it was, that, that, that doesn't mean if climate change happened, that doesn't mean Michael's not gonna die along with anybody else or with everybody else. But it does say that um, I think the message is that you can make a difference and that um, you are responsible for whether we blow ourselves up or not, you are still responsible for your life path and how you encounter. The reason I shy away from uh, whether they're orchestrating or pulling strings, it because it's because it takes, then we're not responsible. Someone else is doing that. Mm -hmm. Somebody more powerful than me. Someone who I may even worship in awe. And I think that one of the things uh, that, that I have learned from my encounters is that I am powerful, but I am responsible for my life. I'm responsible for my choices. Not making a choice is a choice. And so that's why now someone else may come on and say, oh, yeah, they're doing this and they're doing that. I don't know if it's that simple. Maybe some races are, maybe some aren't. I know for me, um, for, to make my light shine, I'm, I'm walking that way because of my encounters. But that doesn't mean that when the wagon comes, I don't have to get on it, just like someone who may be lesser evolved or even more evolved. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I, I understand what you're saying, but... I, I also want to just reiterate that I, I'm less inquiring about whether they could have a hand in this and more about a symbiosis. See, I happen to think, Michael, that, and this is just a thought, in my humble opinion, that at some level, our experiences or encounters with non-human intelligence, there's a give and take. There is a symbi symbiosis between both of us. So the onus is not just on us nor them. So in that same regard, I guess it's just a thought that if they are ubiquitous in our lives at some level, then they must play a role along with us in this uh, odyssey that we're going through. It's just a thought. You know, I mean, it could be true. I, I mean, I, I, the same could be said of all of nature. You know, we yes. live in an interdependent web. I'm not arguing against that. I'm just saying, I, I, I mean, that's a given to me. I just don't know in what role that that is because there's so many different races. Some people may be more mischievous some races may be more benevolent, Absolutely. So I know. but all I do know from my perspective is whether they are or not, 
I still have to, and I, and, and you know, from my encounters with them, tomorrow, what do I have to do? I got to get up in the morning. I got to try to love my neighbor. I got to get my daughter to school. I got to deal with COVID. I got to, so, so, so that, that's all I'm saying. I think it's a given because it is the interdependent web of life. Um, but I don't know where to go uh, beyond that. Mm-hmm. Understood. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that, that, that question. Cause I think we, we are saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on where you want to put your focus. Right. It reminds me of something that Whitley Strieber told me a couple of months ago when I was doing the Midnight in the Desert uh, show. Uh, he was my ga- one of my guests and he I posed that same question to him. And he essentially told me when he posed that questions, question to what he calls the visitors, they answered in essence something like, we would never steal your fate. We would never steal your fate, meaning that I guess Whitley was asking, can you help us, uh, you know, realizing that we're, we're in a hell of a pickle. And this was based on the pandemic during the time of the pandemic. And they said, we would never steal your fate. Ergo, we've got free will. So now again, this is well, that's the same thing. I'm, that's the same thing I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You know? I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah. we have to we have to navigate on our own and any wisdom or guidance we have we can put that into um, into play, but it's still our problems and our world. And we can either be evolved enough, or as Dr. King to say, we learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we perish together as fools. Yeah. But, I, but to wait for someone, and I know you're not implying this, but some people have that, well, the space brothers and sisters are gonna come and save us. No, 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 They're no. They're gonna do yeah. this, that, or the other. And so, yeah, I, I, whatever we do, it reverberates, whether it's love or fear or what have you. But I don't know any anything else about how they're interacting. They could be just observing mm-hmm. and saying, I've seen this before. And maybe this is like Atlantis. Or maybe this was like Lemuria or this civilization. Or mm-hmm. when are they going to learn? Or, you know what, they are coming along. You know, it could be that kind of scenario. Right. We don't know. But we do know that they're out there and um, and that we, we're, we're, we're all in this in some ways together. Do you think they're alongside us? Now, now we're getting into the conversation. Many people feel, and I certainly have raised an eyebrow over this, are they walking amongst us? You know, we think of them as out there in, in, in time and space far, far away that have the ability to traverse between this world and others, this dimension and others, but could they be walking amongst us? And if so, it would seem like they would have a measure of skin in the game from that perspective. Human looking ETs walking among us. Well, so yeah, I, I mean, there's, you look at the data, you look at the literature, there, 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 there's a lot of stories about that. that, that so I think that's a given. Um, I, I think that we may take it for granted that they think like we think, and that may not necessarily be true, especially with ones who are a little more spiritually evolved. They may not be thinking the same way we think. Um, uh, you know, obviously when, when, some, when we fire our missiles at their craft and they don't retaliate, that takes a degree of, uh, of depth, you know, to be nonviolent. I'm not saying all of them are, but uh, with this kind of technology, I mean, 
the gig could have been up a long time ago. So, so you know, we don't know how they think uh, uh, or, or even what they're thinking about. And so sometimes trying to get into their heads, it's, 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 it's great to do. I don't want to get into the paralysis of analysis, but, um, you know, there's always those question marks and, and being able to live in the mystery of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, 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 you know, we have our books, we have our sacred texts. And if you look at them the way I look at them, these beings are, have, have influenced our religions and sometimes in very benevolent ways. And so we can use that kind of wisdom to navigate these times because there's been pandemics before. Mm -hmm. We're not the only, you know, you know, and, and there've been wars and rumors of wars. The stakes are higher because we can destroy the earth a couple of times over but we can also look back at our ancestors who were influenced, no doubt, consciously or unconsciously by these star visitors. And we can use some of that knowledge to help us navigate what we're going through the day. And one of those things is to look at the fear. You know, you don't have to have someone get out of a craft to tell you that. Uh, I know some deeply spiritual people who've never had contact with extraterrestrials, and they are very, they have a depth to them. They have a, a, a an evolution about them, and so that's the path. If if that's your path, that, that, that's the best way. Because we're all at different levels, that's you know. Right. Some of us are old souls. Some of some are young souls. Some are, and so we're all trying to work our way through this from our depth of experience that we've had. Right. And certainly, I think what has to be honored at all times is the sovereign journey, the individual journey. We, you know, we speak in we's very loosely as if that's the only way we will win, as if it's the whole of humanity. And I don't know that it can be that way, nor should it be that way. Uh, I agree. Point. I agree. I want to move on as I'm looking at the clock, because I also want to take, I'm watching the chat uh, people in the chat. Hi, everybody. Hi, A11. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Jay. I, I'm watching you, and I want to make sure we get a couple of questions in for Michael, but I want to transition to this because you mentioned a couple of buzzwords that got me thinking it's time to bring this into this, the, the situation. I mean, look, we're talking about a number of, uh, how, how would I describe it? Just highly charged events in our life. The pandemic, which is ongoing, being one of them, but also this idea of racial injustice and inequality and uh, tempers flaring and God knows, we all know what's going on. And you, as an anti-racism trainer, I thought it would be, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this into the conversation, but within the context of, again, is the backdrop. You said something to me the other day that made me think of this if we are sharing our space with a myriad of non-human intelligence and many of us that feel that want so desperately to one day unite and fellowship with them, God knows we got to get through the fact that we can't yeah. unite as a people. Yeah. How would you yeah. reconcile, how would you approach that from that very unique perspective? You as an experiencer as well as a human anti-racism trainer, and, and maybe use that as a as a pretext to, to really help people understand why it's so important that we got to get over this. If you want to meet well, them, we got to get to know us. Well, when I was having my experiences, and we talked about this the other day, my fear factor was off the charts. And, and part of that was natural. You know, if someone walks into your room or 
just appears and some of them look kind of more anthropomorphic than others, then fine. Uh, uh, you know, I can, people can empathize. But as I told you, as time went on, you know, I had to, and that's where Bud Hopkins, uh, my brother Bud and I, you know, we just saw the world a little differently around that. But again, it was the fear factor. It was the fear factor. And the fear was when I look back on my encounters, they, these people never did anything to hurt me. Only once I told you about that. And when I asked them not to, they didn't. And then I said, Michael, where else in your life do you let fear have the last word? Yes. Whether it was in my relationships, whether it was in my intimate relationships, my erotic relationships, whether it was in dealing with the dominant culture, wherever there was difference, I had to start monitoring my monitoring myself. And there were tools to do that, meditation, prayer, being in nature, just quiet time to have a good conversation with myself. What are you afraid of? What's your point? And so for me, like like Gandhi said, that uh, we think the enemy is hate, but it's really fear. Yeah. And of course, many genuine spiritual paths talk about, Course in Miracles talks about, you have two choices, you have love or fear. And you get to do it every day. And I'm not talking about love where we all sing Kumbaya. I'm talking about, uh, well, there's many definitions of love as there are people. And Scott Peck in The Road Less Traveled, his definition of love is when I'm willing to extend myself for the growth of another human being. Well, now we can extend that to the animal kingdom as well. But I'm willing to extend myself. I'm willing to take that risk. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about love. Uh, um, and so where am I afraid to do that and, and to unpack that? And that's difficult to do, which is why most people won't or choose not to. So um, from, from that standpoint, now we have plenty of examples uh, of human beings who have shown us a way, but even in the context of extraterrestrials, uh, the ones that I have had some contact with, they're, they're about that. They're about, if you can't get along with you, what are you going to do with us? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? You guys can't get along because of skin color or tear texture or a red party, blue party, green party. You, you, I mean, it, it, I, I guess, and that's what I'm saying. If anything, they're probably going, look at this. Where have we seen this before? So that's where I'm coming from. I believe in diversity. The universe is teeming with it. I, I don't believe diversity means it has to be, you mean have to be divisive. You can still be unique, but it does take some self-exploration. This is what I talk about in the anti-racism classes. What do, what do you get from, from following your fears? What do you get from it? And what do you lose from it? You lose a connection. You lose the way to interact with folks. You use you you lose being who you really are because you're staying in these boxes because of fear. You know, I'm thinking, Michael, and smiling to myself because it seems so powerful but so easy and possibly impossible. If we were to be 
to have the ultimate visit from a race of beings, maybe several at the same time, who knows? Wouldn't that be the perfect antidote to shut the divisiveness down when it comes to not liking someone because of the color of their skin or their religion? Couldn't that shut it down immediately? No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. Right. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. And, even, and even Reagan talked about that because the fear factor is there. Reagan talked about that in 84 when, when, with Gorbachev. What if they were building the Star Wars thing, which they're telling us is for in, uh, intercontinental missiles? I think it was for uh, monitoring these craft and to be able to, to engage them. But what do I know? But he even said it, it started out beautifully. What what wouldn't that unite us if we realized there was um, an extraterrestrial? I'm paraphrasing, but you can Google it, civilization or what have you. But then he went the other way. It would be us versus them. It would unite us versus them. And mm -hmm. I don't know in our gene pool or whatever, but there's always this us versus, versus them. them. That's right. Now you're and, absolutely right. And, it, and, and, and I don't think it would. And and I think what we're going what we're going to start seeing is, and we've already seen it. Some of these uh, pilots are talking about this is a national security issue. Uh, uh, you know, it's all it's about our security. They're here to take our security. And I get it. The, when the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But even the way our military discusses it, it's us versus them. What, what do they hear? What do they want from us? Right. And right. so I don't know. I think it's going to take some, yeah. some work and some evolved people and people willing to listen to say, let's not go there yet. Because let's face it, if they wanted to take over this planet with their technology... Come on. That would have happened a long, long, long time ago. Some are arguing that that's what some some faction is in the process of doing anyway. We don't know. And I, I, I have no uh, ultimate judgment on that. But uh, I think there are a lot of different factors going on. But something that you said, I think, is very important. This indoctrination, essentially, of uh, a predisposition for uh, you can only look at it as us versus them. And you said something very interesting that there could be a predisposition in our gene pool that we're wired that way. But the question is, are we? Uh, I don't know that, that, that we are. I, perhaps it was a side insertion of our DNA that allowed for that to happen. But I certainly think that we could get rid of that and go back to the basics of the, the primal uh, uh, sense of, of love and unconditional love moreover. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's complex and yet paradoxically simple at the same time. I don't know. Listen, I'm looking at the clock and I want to get some questions. And so I'm sure. going to ask Lori, if you could unmute yourself. We got Lori in Arizona in the wild, wild west. <laughs> Lori, <laughs> you've been watching the chat a little bit more than I. What a great conversation. Oh boy. <laughs> we could go deep, deep, deep. We are going deep. And I know that some of our juniors are too. So do we have any questions for Michael? We do have one question, and it was, is either one of you experiencing synchronicities right now? Oh, boy. Who wants to go first, Michael, you or me? Mine's probably going to be longer than, I don't know. I'll say this real quick, yes. Um, but not just um, now, but I think, uh, at least speaking for myself, as I started to open up 
more and uh, they just started happening all the time. I, I don't know if I'm experiencing any more now than I was before. Maybe I'm more aware of them now than I was before. Hmm. Okay. I have been talking about the onslaught of synchronicity, not only in my life, but, but in many of you that are reaching out to me. I have been, uh, I try to be as observant as I can, particularly within the last six or so months at the ebb and flow of synchronicity. And it's definitely been a flow for me. They've been more intense. They have uh, happened in more of a cluster is what I like to call it. Synchronicity clusters where it won't just be one or two, but groups of them at a time. It is definitely intensified. And I'm taking copious notes from some of you and people that are in my own personal sphere that are coming to me saying, Alexis, such and such has happened to me. I can't give you any examples right now because there's so many, but I from my own research, guys, I am clear that something seems to be intensifying instances of synchronicity. Uh, and I, I've done a couple of shows. In fact, if you want to go back to February, March-ish, uh, I think it was actually pre-pandemic, but pretty close. I did a couple of shows really exploring what might be undergirding or, or really giving rise to these synchronicities. And we even brought in the idea of AI. You know, the question is, okay, I think there's a consensus that more synchronicity and more intensified synchronicity is going on, but where is it emanating from? Is this an organic process, synthetic, or a combination thereof? So my answer is absolutely yes, and I think it's fascinating. So I can you tell I could talk about this for a long time anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's, um, anything else, Laurie, for the time being? Please. We did have someone that wanted to know what the book was that you were speaking of earlier. If you let us know the title, I'll go ahead and get that information in the chat. Absolutely. Beyond UFOs is a great book. Actually, not the one that we put up. This is another, this is a book that we're going to talk about, but Beyond UFOs. And if I had, maybe we'll put Michael on uh, the screen and take me off and I'll grab the book and show you. I'll do one better. It's called Beyond UFOs. Michael was one of the experts that uh, contributed a very, very heavy chapter in the book. So why don't you talk a little bit about Beyond UFOs? And I'm going to go grab the sure. book. About it, it's, right it's, it's, yeah, it's a scientific compilation uh, by a guy named Ray Hernandez and, and some other folks. I have it over here too. Uh, it's thick and there's a, there's a second volume and it's about taking scientific data and, 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 and applying it to different topics. One of the topics I wrote about was spirituality and people who were contactees. There, there it is there. It's by the Free Foundation. Uh, the late uh, Edgar Mitchell was the founder of that. Look how big uh, it is. I think he was, what, the fourth person to walk on the moon and also was a believer in extraterrestrial life. Um, so it's, 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 it's worth having in your library uh, because there's a combination of the spiritual aspect as well as, well as the nuts and bolts and uh, that kind of thing, which, which is what we're dealing with when we're dealing with uh, UFOs, the spirituality, as well as this, what, 30th century technology we're probably encountering um, in our skies. It's, it's worth, it's worth a, a look. Great. Yeah, it's, I'll show it to you one more time. And maybe, Laura, you can put a link up. But look at this sucker. This this book has, it's close to 800 pages. Close yeah. to 800 pages, and it's brilliant. And I have to really commend uh, Ray Hernandez as well as John 
uh, Klimo and Dr. Rudy Shield, who I hope is doing well. I know he's been under the weather for quite some time. Brilliant minds uh, putting this together. I really, I think in record time, I think it was some ungodly time period. Yeah, it was only a few months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was only like four months. Yeah. yeah, and then like I said, there's a there's a second volume. There's a second volume that's coming yeah. out, so we'll and keep you can going. go on Amazon. You can go on Amazon. Absolutely. I think I saw another question, uh, whiz by yep. Laurie. Maybe you can catch it. Yep, and I did. We I put the links out there uh, on Kindle and to buy the book. So this one is I would like. Robert Michael to answer whether he has tried using Stephen Greer's method of meditation to contact extraterrestrials. What do you think about that method? We're talking about the CEO. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's one of many. I mean, um, I have had um, telepathic contact. I, I, I had a healing, a UFO healing, back in July, July 4th, 2013. And the next day, because I do meditate pretty regularly, those beings who healed the blood clot I had showed up in my third eye. Uh, I'm familiar with Dr. Greer's technique, um, and I think it's one of many. Uh, and if it works for you, I mean, I just do a regular Zen meditation where I count my breaths and uh, I go to 10. And if I get a thought, I go back to one, I never go past 10, and that kind of chills me right out, and that seems to work for me. I've seen results in my intuition being heightened and that kind of thing. So I think Dr. Greer has one technique of many. Absolutely. Just play with what works, what, what works for you. Absolutely. There's another method, Michael, called Heist, and interestingly, I believe it was uh, Ray Hernandez that made me familiar with this. I don't know who originally who initiated this or originated the idea, but it's human initiated contact experience, which is essentially the same thing, going through some kind of a protocol to self-initiate uh, a contact encounter. And I know that there are many groups that go out, uh, you know, particularly in areas that are known for sightings and uh, will do, whether it's a series of meditation, singing bowls. I, you know, I really, I happen to think, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, that you can really, it, it's intent that matters. And depending on who it is you're trying to reach, particularly if they're spiritually evolved, I think just the unconditional desire to connect, not for the sake of novelty, but for necessity. Uh, I think they, they know how to meet out who's just curious and who wants to see, get a thrill and who really has a, a an interest, a heart-based interest in this. So, uh, and I, I say, if you feel a calling to to try to connect, by all means, do so. Um, let's see. I want I want to spend a few minutes talking about this, and certainly, I, if Michael doesn't mind, if a couple more questions come in the interim, we can. No, we got time. It's just quarter. It's only quarter to four. Okay. Well, you got time. We can, <laughs> we've got it. We've got a little bit of a window, but we've got we've got some some more time. Sure. Let's talk about. Um, let's talk about sharing with others about our experiences. I am going to assume that there's some individuals that are watching right now that have had contact encounters or we say contact. I'm going to say very broadly, whether it's with an angelic presence, an orb like presence, sure, or sure. a shadow person, you know, that's something that I covered quite a few years ago, uh, which tend to not be so pleasant tend to be. But the, this wanting, this desire to share your experience for whatever reason with another, 
is very, very strong. And I know there's an inhibition in doing so because we live in a society that has not traditionally embraced this as a reality that is ubiquitous, which I feel is. What is your thought, Michael, on how one would approach that? I know you and I have talked a little bit about that as well. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll use our church, for example. I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister. It's changed, but it was a very left brain intellectual denomination. And it still is. And I certainly do appreciate the life of the mind. Um, and we have some people in our congregation who are into psychic phenomenon and UFOs and what have you. So what they did was, I suggest that you, support, you start a support group. You, and, and, and they just asked people, uh, they sent out uh, 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 an email and said, this is what the group's about. There was a write-up. And if you are willing to meet, and they did this these days and what have you. And it's still going. Now, it's not huge, but they're like-minded people, and you can get together. It's it's a little I, – I, I, and that helped me early on when I was uh, going to mental health a mental health professional because I thought I was losing my mind. But there is such a thing as discernment. And – you know, it, it may not be the way we want it to be, but you just can't talk about this to everybody. Everybody's not there. And it doesn't make them bad or you good or whatever. And so the spirit of discernment has to be there. But the more like-minded people you get together, with the old biblical phrase where two or three are gathered in my name, um, I think it's crucial, uh, Alexis, to have that outlet because it can be very lonely. Very long. Uh, there, there, still is, there still a high rate of contactees who have a high divorce rate mm -hmm. uh, right. because their partner, you're having these experiences and they aren't. It puts a strain on the old marriage or the old relationship there. Yeah. Um, you you got to have someone to talk to if it's no more than a mental health professional. That's right. Uh, I agree with you. So, so I think it's crucial to, to have that uh, uh, support if you can find it. It can be a very lonely road indeed. And this is not just relegated to the contact encounter or the contactee, uh, but those that have had near-death experiences, uh, uh, out-of-body experiences, anything that, that sort of fits in that <clears throat> uh, area of unfamiliarity. And yet there is this visceral sense that I've got to be able to share this with someone, even just to, to help me understand my own experience. That's a that's a loaded a loaded question I know, but I thought it would be uh, prudent to put it out there for those. I don't. I think you're very. I think you're correct, Michael. I think discernment, individual discernment, always must take precedence. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because people, if they don't understand it, they'll fear it and they'll shame you for it, and that's the last thing you need. So if you got a clergy person, or I guess therapists are the new clergy, if you got a good therapist, or if you, again, if you can get some other people who have um, that. And I think the book Beyond UFOs can help there too, because they talk about people who, because they're lumping all these experiences together. And that's why it's called Beyond UFOs, because we're talking about spiritual growth, whether it's from an orb, whether it's channeled, whether it's from uh, an off-world intelligence, whether it's intelligence from another dimension, we're all, th th those are lumped in. And so... Uh, and you're seeing how people react or respond. But if you can get a couple people who, even, hey, I, I, I want to run something by you. This is what happened the other day. And, and that you listen. 
You don't always have to have answers. You don't have to interpret for them either. Sometimes you can just listen and you can ask someone. I do this in my pastoral care. People come to me with stuff and I'll say, do, I'll listen and I'll say, do you want my response or do you just need an ear? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when it's over, you ask, do you feel heard? Do you feel I, like I, I heard you? And then you do it and then next time. You do it again. And that way it becomes more of a healing. Because sometimes people just need to hear themselves talk this through. Mm-hmm. That I'm not quite. I don't need you to help me. I don't need you to judge. I don't even need you to give me your opinion. I just need to get this off of my chest. Amen. Yeah. And that's where the healing comes in. Listening is something that is in such short supply, I feel. And as much as I am a talker, my mother used to say to me, Alexis, when I was a kid, if you're always talking, how are you going to learn anything? And so I like to think as much as I love to share and and talk, I, I try to be as not just to hear, but to listen and to take in, not with the intention of wanting to retort or jump back, but to just listen and be there. So I agree with you. I have yeah, to yeah, make a comment. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you can listen by watching people's body language. You know, some people are more closed off. Some people, you know, you, you, there, there's so many ways. It's a lost art. And it gets you out of yourself. Because you, when you're there for somebody else, it gets you out of your own stuff. And so it's, it's a give and take. I say service to others is service to self. Yeah. Service to others is service to self. I have to make this, uh, pass this on, the suggestion from Isis Eyes of No. Hi there, Isis. How are you? She says, they need to open an extraterrestrial church. What do you think, Michael? You want to start the first extraterrestrial? <laughs> and I'm being a bit facetious, but I... I no, I, there are some out west. I, are there I, really? don't start, I don't want to start one. But, and, and you know, it's interesting. When I first started doing Ancient Aliens, um, and people would contact me and they would come, they would look up my church. And a couple of times, some people just showed up. And, uh, and I, and, you know, I said, oh, we, we saw you. And I had to say, okay, this is not an extraterrestrial church. Um, uh, <laughs> we, you know, but my congregation knows that I'm doing this and they know I talk about it. There were some people who wanted to get me fired. Well, actually, it was one person who tried to get me fired several years ago. But the board said, no. He doesn't preach this from the pulpit. And he's, you know, of course, we're not the only people. What's the problem? This is what he's doing outside. But um, the thing with the extraterrestrial church, though, who was the guy? He was a British guy. His last name was King. I'm sure you could look him up. And, and he, he was out west. He came from London. And they had churches. The thing with that, though, for me, is that you don't want to worship these folks. Right, right. You don't want to give your power away to that. You know, we've done that, and you see what happens. Uh, 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 so I don't know. That's just me. Uh, uh, but uh, it's very, you know, human beings, we give our power away so easily. Oh, my God, they're so spiritual. They're so beautiful. And, and you know, those things may be true or not for all of them. But, you know, you want to go inside. As a wise rabbi once said, uh, the kingdom of heaven is within, within and all, all spiritual paths. They may not say it the way Yeshua said it, but Buddhism, you go within. Because if there's any God, that's where you're going to find 
it. I concur. I pray that one day we will have a collective epiphany. I don't know if that's too pie in the sky, but an epiphany or moreover a remembrance that we are infinite beings. We've heard all of the, the words, the cliches, but I, I feel them all to be true. Whether it's arrived at in solitude and in silence mm -hmm. um, uh, by ourselves, or perhaps a collective epiphany, what agent will make that so, I don't know, but that is my prayer because I know that we're, we're alchemists at our core. We have the ability to turn scrap metal into gold. We do. And somehow those abilities have gone atrophied uh, for whatever reason. And perhaps what we're going through right now by getting our butts kicked in a lot of ways, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be kicked enough into awakening ourselves to uh, this, this sort of dream spell we're in. So, yeah. Any more questions, Lori? And then I'm going to make an announcement that I think we're going to sign off. That's it. Just a lot of excitement to join the new church. Oh, uh-oh. Michael. <laughs> you know what? If I if I had a church, it may be it would be interesting. I, I I would talk about what we're talking about now, but I would talk about other stuff too. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Well, uh, the, uh, so yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, if I had a church, you'd be more than welcome to come to that. You're more than welcome to come to my church anyway. If you're in this part of the country. Well, but, tell us um, about your church. Where, if it's, a, it's a Unitarian Universalist congregation. It's small. It's about 150 people. Uh, we're meeting now virtually, but uh, we tape our shows on uh, shows. We tape our services shows on Wednesday, and then they 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 air the following Sunday on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, you just type in the Unitarian Universalist congregation of the Swannanoa Valley. Well, you can type in my name and it should come up. And you can watch our services. Okay. Uh, I'm off this Sunday. Or you can go to YouTube as well. They, they, we started 1045 now. We just started that. I'm not, I will be there. Um, what's this Sunday coming up? The first I will, what, what, Sunday in October. Yeah, I won't be there this Sunday. I preach second, third, and fourth Sundays. Um, and so you can you can go go to our website, uh, Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the Swannanoa Valley, That's and you will, will call me if you forget. That's a lot of words, and you will see the sermon topics. I'm going to be doing something on comparing Germany to the United States. What we can learn from Germany around Excellent. monuments. Uh, uh, last week we talked about bringing the timeless into time. Uh, we're going to talk about religion. Um, uh, the, 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 the role of religion in times like in a time of crisis. That will be the second thing. Okay. So just we'll go make, or call me. We'll make sure to have a link at some point. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, and call we'll, me we'll, and, and I'll tell you. Okay. Sounds great, Michael. Well, you know, Michael's a friend of Higher Journeys and he will undoubtedly be back uh, yet again. And this again, God this willing. wonderful. Yeah, we yeah, have a wonderful community. Every time I have the opportunity, I will take it to say how much I love the journeyers. I call them the journeyers. I love you guys yes. so much. You do. <laughs> and I pray God there is one day soon where I can embrace you physically, see you eye to eye. That would bring such joy to my heart. So let's hang in there together, guys, because that time's coming soon. 
So yeah. I love you. You know, I do. Okay. Couple things. And then I'm going to have you end with speaking of church. We're, we're going to church. We're going to yeah. end with a prayer, we'll a prayer for humanity. But before we'll I do, prayer. we'll have a little prayer, but hold on, hold on one second. Let me just make a couple of quick announcements. I know that a few of you wanted to hear more about Michael's personal journey into non-human intelligence. And he was kind enough for our after show on Patreon, where he goes into excruciating detail. It was a great conversation. Uh, it's posted. It'll be posted, I think, in about five minutes or so. So head on over to Patreon. It's a great way to support higher journeys as well. And uh, you'll get the after show segment that we so enjoy doing. Uh, oh, also, if you like what you saw today, there's more where that came from, but you got to subscribe. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button. Hit that. What do they say? You know, I always love doing it. It's so funny to me. Hit the subscribe button, punch that notification bell. No, punch the like button if you like it. Hit the notification bell. So many things to do. Oh my God. I have to be funny about this because it's so different uh, these days and promoting your stuff. But, and YouTube loves it as well. And I certainly appreciate your supporting Higher Journeys in that regard. So we hope you will consider subscribing. Okay, Michael. Here I don't want go. anyone to go anywhere. Please listen to the beautiful words of Michael. Yeah, just, simply, just a minute. Before I start that, I just want to say, Alexis, thank you for your show, for having me on it, and raising the vibration of this planet. Thank because you. this is what we need. We do it together. And I thank you. Oh, yeah, I, I just want to say that, okay? I so appreciate I just wanna, you. Yeah, I thank you. So I know, okay, everybody just take a deep breath and center yourselves. God of many names. From the fragmented world of our everyday lives, we gather together in search of wholeness. We thank you for the soul that is Alexis. We thank you for the journeyers, the staff, who make this happen. We come to you with many preoccupations and sometimes selfish aims, but we know that there is no branch that is separated from the tree of life. Let us labor and hope for the dawning of a new day, a day without hatred and violence and injustice. Let us nurture the growth in our lives and the lives of others and let us be an example of what love is in public. For this and for so many things, we are ever and eternally grateful. And so it is. Amen. Amen and namaste. Thank you. Michael, yes, Carter, for being you. Thank you. I feel as if we have spent lifetimes together, perhaps all of us in this virtual space, there is a familiarity with the energy yeah. that is around all of us. And you've made this day very special for me and I know for the journeyers as well. So thank you. Thank and I'm you. gonna say thank you again, journeyers, for your support, not just of higher journeys, but of these subjects. Let's continue to explore the mystery, to investigate the mystery. Let's be willing to be humble. As I, you've heard me say before, if you dare explore the nature of reality, humility is a universal mandate. Let's never forget that. 
And I know universe will meet us halfway with whatever it is that we are to know. So with that, I will say namaste. I love you. And we'll see you next week.